Good afternoon, listeners, and welcome to this Saturday afternoon pre-recorded broadcast of Shooting from the Hip. I'm Jeff Pedro, in with Mark Avery, and we're from Sim Trainer, the Dayton area's first indoor range and firearms training center. You can visit us on the web at sim-trainer.com. You can give us a call at the range at 937-293-3914, or you can stop down and visit us. We're located at 2031 Dryden Road in Moraine, right across the street from DPNL. We'd be more than glad to discuss with you any of your firearms-related needs or interests. Along those topics, uh, I'll just uh, mention that probably the the thing that most people are interested in right now is getting basic um, training in the use of a handgun for purposes of self-defense. However, um, over the last several months, there's been increased interest in people learning how to use a shotgun for purposes of home defense. And um, for many years, uh, the shotgun has been considered one of the most viable options for many people, not all, for home defense. Uh, it's certainly um, a good option for people who maybe that's all they have at the present time and they're a, uh, um, a sportsman. They, they hunt, they go shoot trap or skeet um, or sporting clays, whatever it might be, and they're very familiar with a shotgun. A shotgun is a, is a good option. The problem right now is that most of the shotguns, like most of the other firearms, have dried up. And let me just explain to you what I'm talking about there. Uh, first of all, um, one thing that was really a serious blow is a company called Remington, which is the iconic, um, uh, one of the iconic uh, uh, shotgun manufacturers, is out of business, at least as of now, with preliminary indication is they may never be resurrected. Um, for those of you that have been um, involved in the, the gun world for many years, the, the, the iconic Remington 870 pump shotgun was a mainstay for law enforcement and for the civilian world for, for many, many, many years. And if you have one, hang on to it. Um, if you can get one, you're probably not going to be able to get it for what you think it was worth, you know, 20 years ago when you were um, maybe bought your first one or looking for one. But if you can get one, I'd advise you to get it because they may they may never be again. And it's unfortunate because it's really a fine functioning operational shotgun, particularly their, the, the pump uh, 870. Well, and it was also used for hunters. And I mean, anybody that used a shotgun may well have had a Remington 870. It was one of the it was one of the shotguns. Yeah. So, you know, those are pretty much gone. Well, then that left us. Uh, there's another company that would be, um, I'm not going to say much lower quality, but uh, the, as far as the, the reputation, Mossberg has been maybe a broader line. Mossberg probably had a broader line of shotguns that they've offered than Remington over the years. Um, but uh, when, when Remington stopped manufacturing, which has now been almost a year to year and a half ago, Mossberg was the primary go-to company. They bought up, like so many other companies, they kind of buy each other up. Mossberg bought a company called Maverick, and they offer both the Mossberg brand and the Maverick brand. And uh, those are pretty much dried up at the present time. Over the last year, maybe year and a half, I think I've gotten three Mossberg shotguns. I got a shockwave. I got a, uh, a, a, a pistol grip shotgun and then a regular 
full-size sporting shotgun. And that's kind of been the, the same situation around the local uh, gun uh, retailers. Uh, I know that uh, Evan English up at Old English Outfitters and um, the people up at Vandalia Tactical and down at Miami Armory, they've had the, the same thing happen to them. Um, I've just uh, periodically, I take a walk through Cabela's and Field and & Stream, and for the last six months, I haven't seen any pump shotguns at all. I've seen a few American-made semi-autos, and what is flooding the market right now are the imported semi-autos and a few pump-action shotguns. Now, the semi-autos um, take the form a couple of different configurations. The most popular form, it looks almost like a pump. It just doesn't, um, the, the forend doesn't rack back and forth, but it has that forend in a fixed position, and you still load it up through the um, uh, the magazine tube underneath the, on the, the lower portion of the barrel, below the barrel. Um, and then it just uh, relies on the initial uh, round. You have to pull back on a bolt and then let the bolt go. And it goes forward and loads one in the chamber. And then each subsequent round is loaded in the chamber by the gases that build up when that gun goes off, similar to a semi-automatic pistol. Same sort of concept. Or, there and, were, or like similar to an uh, AR. I mean, an AR is yeah. also gas-operated. Yeah, them. just that those that, that's going to be closer to what, right. what we're talking about next. The next one is they have some in the AR configuration. Believe this or not, they have magazines that hold shotgun shells. Mm -hmm. Now, the magazines are typically sent uh, with the gun three rounds or five rounds with the option of nine or ten round additional mags. Some send it with it. Some offer you the option to buy that as a additional item. So you've got an AR looking gun, shotgun, that has a magazine that loads into a magazine well, you have to actually pull back on the charging handle to load the first round in the chamber, and then it works just like an AR where you fire the round and the gases cycle the round, eject the spent casing, and load the next one. Now, I just want to tell you from my own experimentation is those have proven to be a little bit finicky. And um, uh, the one thing is, since they're being shipped, many of them from Turkey, we don't know how long they're on the pond. We don't know how long they're in storage. They come super gooped up, greased up, and with all kind of preservative on the outside. Yeah, so they're the set first for long-term storage. Do, yeah, the first thing you have to do is break it down and clean it. Now, I want to warn you, because I've had at least two people do this. They didn't read the manual. They started to break it down, and they don't break down like an AR. I can break an, uh, an AR down essentially, and I've done this, I can break an AR down in less than a minute with my eyes closed to its essential components to clean it. These have three to four times as many parts that have to be broken down, and logic doesn't rule here. They come from different places, and if you don't see where it fell out or where it belonged, when you go to put it back together, it doesn't work. So please, please, please read the manual and break it down in accordance with the manual's instructions and then clean it thoroughly and then put it together in accordance with the manual's instructions. I can't emphasize that enough. Now, let me contrast that to breaking down a Mossberg 500 or a Remington 870 for just simple field strip and clean. With those, you basically unscrew an end cap. Of course, after you make sure that it's un, um, unloaded, unloaded, you yeah, unscrew an end cap, you uh, wiggle the, the barrel out of the, um, the receiver, and that's essentially it. You don't go any farther than that for most most people 
Some people go ahead and punch out the trigger group and then take the bolt out and clean the receiver thoroughly. You don't have to do that um, on a regular basis, but as far as field strip goes, you simply unscrew the end cap, take the barrel out, clean the barrel, clean the chamber, clean the action, or, or clean the receiver, and then lubricate accordingly. These guns, that's not the case. But I want to add that because they are shipped, that's a far long distance, and because of um, delays in the supply chain and distribution, uh, we've had people tell us that they're getting them. Some of our wholesalers said they're getting them on this date, and it's a month later. And by the time we get them a month after that, just in our chain, it's been two months in shipping. So they come not in such good shape as far as being immediately um, available fired. And I, yeah, and don't again, just take it out of the box and go shoot it because yeah, you're going to have problems. And I know that's tempting. Mm -hmm. I know that's tempting for, for many of you um, because you're like me. You don't like to read, so you don't like to read the <laughs> manual. So what I would do, I would tell Mark, read the manual, break this apart, clean it, and then I'll go shoot it. Yeah, now, and I would hand that off to one of our armors. <laughs> <laughs> but that's kind of the way um, the situation we're in right now. So the bottom line is if you want a shotgun, a shotgun is certainly a good option for home defense. The most popular um, uh, caliber, so to speak, is a 12-gauge, and uh, probably the second would be a 20-gauge. The problem is right now the 20-gauges are virtually non-existent. There's an interesting caliber out there. It's called a 410, and some of the defense rounds in the 410 are really, really, really innovative in that um, typically with a, a shotgun round for self-defense, for example, probably the most popular is double-ot buck. That means it has about nine 25 caliber pellets inside the, the shell, and that's what comes out um, when you fire the gun. Um, very effective. It gives a nice good spread pattern. We just had a class last night, and we were doing some patterning at 25 and 40 feet, and you're looking at patterns of anywhere from 4 to 6 inches at 25 feet out to 9 to 12 inches at 50 feet. So you get a pretty decent sp uh, spread pattern. The 410 that I'm talking about has a about a, a slug that is about one-fourth the size of a normal slug, which a normal slug is just slightly smaller than your thumb. These slugs are slightly smaller than your little fingernail, the, the, the fingernail on your small finger. And then behind it, they have three, I believe they're 25, they might be 32 caliber balls behind it, and then the, the, the powder. So as the round comes out, the, the, um, the slug maintains a pretty decent straight-on point of aim, point of impact, and then those pellets tend to flare out a little bit. So at 25 feet, you're looking about four to six inch pattern spread on those three pellets. So it gives you that initial bang of the, you know, the, the, the lesser size slug and then three, three um, pellets. And some of the 12 gauge are, are the same. The problem is none of that is available. When you go to the big stores, and I just want to use the big box stores as an example, you go to Cabela's and Field and Stream back in uh, um, probably before March of 2020, you would walk in there and there literally would be two, maybe three entire displays of nothing but shotgun ammo. Everything from what you use for turkeys and, and deer to, to, you know, whether it's slugs or um, uh, uh, different uh, clay, clay uh, loads, just loads of it and then pallets sitting in the middle of the floor. And you could walk away with as many boxes as or you want. cases as you wanted. Yeah. yeah, as many cases as you want. The other day, I went to both places, and I, don't, I didn't count the actual boxes, but each place had less than 100 boxes and nothing but 
sporting rounds, mm -hmm. no self-defense rounds whatsoever. And there haven't been any of those seen in, in, in months. And that's unfortunate. Um, lucky for me, I've, I personally not here at the range because it wasn't a high demand. Again, if, if, uh, if I could have had a crystal ball in September oh, yeah. of 2019, I'd have everything wow. that you need, but that wasn't <laughs> the case because all through Christmas of 2019, leading into January and February, you could have got anything you want as much as you want at great prices. And all of a sudden that's, that's gone, but that's another issue. I just want you to know that, um, the guns that are out there, most of them are semi-auto. Most of them are imported. Um, once you clean them, you can start shoot them. They're interesting. Uh, one thing I found with the detachable magazine with, uh, 10 rounds in particular, it doesn't seat real easily like an AR magazine does. Um, so that's another issue that you're going to have to do. Don't just assume that you're going to clean it, load it and leave it for self-defense. I want to strongly encourage you to take it down to the outdoor range down in, uh, uh, Waynesville and you can go to one of the stationary static ranges or you can get with a friend and you can throw some some clays and you can even shoot those guns at clay targets and the one one reason I suggest that rather than going to one of the sporting clubs is because when you manually throw a clay it's a lot shorter distance so you get somebody that's not as familiar with a shotgun they don't have to worry about shooting anywhere from 100 to 250 feet it may only be 50 to 100 feet when you're when you're just throwing them with the manual thrower so that's a good place for people to start you can buy a box of clays they have plenty of these mainly because they don't have the ammo to shoot them so there's stockpiles of clay pigeons for less than ten dollars for almost a hundred a hundred of them at uh, um, the, the sporting goods stores I even saw them at Walmart not too long ago but um, you can go ahead and do that but I would encourage you to get the gun um, maybe come and talk to us first uh, there's not going to be a whole lot of flexibility if you go to some of the stores talk to them about what they have by way of pump semi-auto and then some of the AR style shotguns pros and cons uh, most of them like I said are coming from Turkey some are from some other uh, foreign countries countries and they've proven to be kind of equally uh, beneficial. If any of you have had the experience, I would encourage you to go ahead and uh, give us, uh, drop us a line. Uh, go to our um, Mark website is yeah, sim-trainer.com and click on the contact link and then you can send us an email. Yeah. And tell us what you've experienced because we want to certainly pass it on if you've had good and or bad experience with any of those. But again, don't just get it, take it home, load it and think it's going to function because the worst thing that could happen is you need it and it's not going to work so that's something that i want to we'll talk more after the break yeah we do need to take our first break for the hour uh if you'd like to contact us we just told you how to do that go to our website at sim-trainer.com and click on the contact link this is mark avery with jeff pedro for shooting from the hip on 1290 and 95.7 whio dayton's news and talk it's our ask the expert weekend on the miami valley radio station with breaking news weather and traffic 1290 and 95.7 whio dayton's news and talk it's our ask the expert weekend on the Miami Valley radio station with breaking news, weather and traffic 1290 and 95.7 WHIO Dayton's news and talk. Welcome back to the show. And right before the break, we were talking a little bit about uh, shotguns and availability. And I just wanted to um, close out that discussion on brands by mentioning some of you maybe have or heard of uh, Savage and or Stevens. And certainly there are others out there. But the names that I've mentioned, Remington, Mossberg, Maverick, Stevens, Savage, those are the ones that many have heard. The problem is I'm not sure if Stevens bought Savage or Savage bought Stevens or they both went in with a larger group. But even those aren't being 
being produced in large numbers at the present time, and so they're they're hard to come by. The one thing I want to tell you that is readily available are the higher-end two-shot sporting guns. For example, a nice gun made by Beretta or Benelli or some of the other manufacturers. They only load, yeah, or they only load two rounds. Um, they're manually loaded into two separate barrels. They're break open, meaning that you push a little lever and it breaks open right at the receiver. You put one round in each individual chamber, you close it, and then you have two rounds immediately available. Um, some of you probably have those guns, and certainly in a, in a situation, home defense, they would be reliable, because uh, I'm a big believer in, I'm more concerned about round placement than I am about more rounds. So you say you have a shotgun that holds four or five, that's better than a two shot that holds two. Well, if you think back when uh, the, the Wild West days, the stagecoach drivers, they didn't have the luxury of a pump action shotgun. They had a double barrel side by side shotgun, and it was pretty intimidating, and I saw a special the other day um, uh, relative to the guns of the West, and uh, that was very formidable, and it was one of the most feared guns of the uh, stagecoach robbers and even the train robbers back then because uh, two double two two barrels of whatever, I'm not sure what load they 10 had. 10 or 12 time. gauge, yeah. yeah. Yeah, whatever they had back then was uh, pretty uh, intimidating and pretty effective. So um, that certainly is an option. Those are available. When I say high-end, whereas uh, in normal days, and these days I don't know some what we what, how we define normal but as far as normal days relative to gun sales you might be able to pick up a Mossberg uh, home defense shotgun with an extra sporting barrel for less than $500 that price is probably going up to maybe six or seven hundred dollars at least right now whereas some of those high-end guns I'm talking about the low-end prices will be in the high 900 to a thousand all the way up into the thousands of dollars so if you have one understand that it could be used in a self-defense situation if you you don't have the resources or you want to don't want to go out and buy another one you certainly have that option if you want to use it for that and it'll obviously like these other guns they're going to serve the dual purpose even if you buy a defensive shotgun for uh, for example a Mossberg 500 and their 500 series is their that's kind of their bread and butter you buy that in the self-defense uh, the barrel might only be 18 inches to 20 inches that's no problem if later on you want to go shoot sporting clays you just simply pay $125 more when they're available and you buy a 28 to 30 inch barrel you replace the barrel you go shoot sporting planes when you come back you change out the barrel and you can leave it at home for self-defense also understand if all you have is a shotgun that has a 28 or 30 inch barrel no problem you can still use that for home defense so it's not like you have to have a shorter barrel for home defense the shorter barrel just makes it easier for maneuverability on the interior uh, of your home yeah and most uh, homes are small enough that if you have that really long barrel it could be a little awkward yeah. but but there techniques workable. that you can um, learn and, and apply that will make it um, useful for you. So if you already have a shotgun and you're thinking about doing that, take advantage of what you have and uh, at the very least come and talk to us and we'll help you get in, head in the right direction. We'll take a break and head into the newsroom. Uh, if you'd like to contact us, go to our website at sim-trainer.com, click on the contact link and send us an email. This is Mark Avery with Jeff Pedro for Shooting from the Hip on 1290 and 95.7 WHIO, Dayton's News and Talk. It's our Ask the Expert weekend on the Miami Valley Radio Station with breaking news, weather, and traffic. 1290 and 95.7 WHIO, Dayton's News and Talk. Welcome back to the show, and I want to thank you for tuning in and listening to us today. I want to talk a little bit in the second half about some current 
current issues that are out there. The first one that uh, got my attention last week is uh, Senator Marco Rubio uh, introduced another piece of legislation uh, that's, uh, for lack of a better term, um, red flag type uh, issues concerning um, trying to identify people who maybe are having problems to where the government feels a compulsion to confiscate firearms. Now, if you've been following um, the, the gun world for any period of time, you know that uh, the red flag is a that's kind of a red flag phrase that we are very concerned about, because in most cases, that means that uh, they're going to go ahead and confiscate your firearms and then conduct an investigation to see if confiscation was justified either initially or long term. And there's no due process. And even though some of them say that there's the beginning of due process, um, unless there's an actual hearing in front of a judge and there's a adjudication rendered, anything short of that really is not um, what, what's happening. Here in Ohio, uh, we've had this discussion before, but I want you to know that although they don't call it red flag law, uh, we in law enforcement for many, many years, we called it the pink slip process, whereby we have an individual who's having, for example, some emotional episode, which leads a family member, friend, um, somebody that lives in the house, uh, roommate, neighbor, to believe that something's wrong with that individual and that they're they're dangerous to their danger to themselves or other people police respond to the scene and we then take that person sometimes most of the time willingly other times against his or her will to a hospital so that they can be evaluated for 72 hours in residence and a determination can be made as to whether or not there needs to be something more done to this individual now in in those types of cases um, we have the option to confiscate any firearms that they might have. Now, the reality is most police departments don't have big enough property rooms to confiscate firearms for some of the people that might be in this situation. So a couple of different things happen. Family members are given custody of the firearms and or the firearms remain on the premises as long as they're locked and the person is in the, um, the, the medical facility uh, being assessed. So instead and of taking the firearms away from the person, you're taking that person away from the firearms exactly, and getting them the treatment be. they need. If the issue and the concern is the person, we need to take the person to get the help that they need versus the guns to get all banged up and damaged. And, and, and you know, it's an inconvenience to confiscate all those guns and then bring them back later on. Now, please understand, I'm not going to even give the impression, and, and I don't intend to do so, that I'm not for um, taking guns away from people who prove that they can't be responsible with the use of guns. But that has to be determined before we make that that decision. So as it is in Ohio, the individual goes to the hospital. He's typically admitted to a, um, a, a mental evaluation section of a hospital where they can determine if the individual has any issues. And then if there's something that needs to be um, more permanent, there, there's a case brought before the court and then a judge would have to adjudicate or make a decision that based on facts and circumstances presented under oath at a, in a court proceeding that the guns need to be otherwise accounted for. When and there the would be the opportunity for a defense. Yes. So the person who was uh, was having the problem, whatever it is, they they could have an attorney. The attorney could present a case and you know there would be opportunity for medical witnesses to provide testimony 
testimony and so forth. So you have full due process, and all of that occurs prior to any kind of confiscation that happens. And the problem with uh, the legislation, whether it's uh, Ohio's strong legislation that Governor DeWine proposed last year, and one of the main tenets of that was a red flag provision, or what Senator Rubio is introducing at the national level here, level here prompted, I'm, I'm guessing, because they've never really, um, I think, closed the book on the Parkland situation, and there was a, just like here in Dayton, do something attitude. you got to do something. Even though there's plenty of laws on the book, and there were plenty of circumstances before, during, and after that that, that were already in play, they felt they had to do something more. Well, the problem with do something is that affects disproportionately, and it's greatly disproportionate, the law-abiding citizen, like you and me. That means that if we're going to enact a law, we already got plenty of laws on the book, we're going to enact another law that really only affects law-abiding citizens, because we know based on research that we've talked about on this show, that most crime guns are illegally obtained. They're obtained by a third person buying them in a straw purchase. They're stolen or they're otherwise acquired um, illegally in means. They say, I think the number is between seven, only 7 to 10 percent of the crime guns, that's guns used in crime, were obtained legally by the person who ended up using the gun. So you're looking at 90 percent and in reality, it's probably 95 to 99 percent of the people who don't do anything. Because remember, there are millions, tens of millions of gun owners who own hundreds of millions of guns. And yet on an annual basis, there is only in the low thousands a number of crimes committed with the use of guns, even if it's in the tens of thousands. Now, again, that's bad. But you don't address the person who's law abiding. You instead address the criminal and their criminal behavior. And that's the problem with these red flags. Uh, um, uh, legislations or pieces of legislation and um, we're going to keep an eye on that because we don't know where it's going to go we don't know if it's going to get buried into some big bill we've already told you about hr 127 i got a feeling that there, there might be some people thinking oh we got a chance for some trade-offs here we got some republicans who want this and we want that so let's start a negotiation well we're already sliding down a slippery slope matter of fact we're beyond sliding we are in a downfall we are in a hard fall because we got an administration who just seems totally um, convinced that if it doesn't work in the legislative process, they're going to try to try, try some executive fiat where they're going to basically force feed the population. And this is a this is a dangerous area. And when you hear people talking about things, especially a Republican senator who should know better, um, certainly he knows that law abiding people aren't the one causing the problems. Um, I understand he's probably got some um, loyalty to his constituents relative to the Parkland uh, shooting that occurred with, uh, several years ago down in, in Florida. That that situation has pretty much been resolved, but it's like many other active shooter situations where you have people in different circumstances that's uh, leaked through the cracks and something terrible happens. And certainly it's tragic, but we can't let all-encompassing legislation um, kind of tread on our rights. Well, I think it's also important to understand that we've been saying for some time and, and put um, now President Biden's campaign information about gun control on our website so everybody could see that. But there was an article that was just published within the last week that 
uh, is an interview that was done in January of a year ago, but it was held by the Las Vegas Sun because they did not they did not want to publish it for whatever reason. My guess would be because they did not want to put such a fine point on Joe Biden's anti-gun positions, but they did finally publish it just within the last week or so, and it spells out in excruciating detail just what he plans to do and would like to do if he gets the opportunity. So we have these, you know, every, they've got all three branches of government now. Well, I mean, they've got both, not three branches, the, both the House and the Senate and the White House. So um, both houses in the, in the legislative and the executive are all run by the same party. By itself shouldn't be a problem because the right to keep and bear arms is definitely a bipartisan issue, but that bipartisan issue has begun far more unbalanced in, in the last few years than ever had in the past. And Mark, you bring up a point that just needs to be addressed here. In, in years past, we've had this sort of thing happen. There's been previous um, uh, administrations that have had control of both branches of Congress and the presidency, but then well, we right at the beginning on, of the Obama administration, yes, for we, example, we relied on the courts to make good decisions. And in many of those cases, they made good decisions. The problem is now the rule of law is not only under attack, it's basically being set aside. And there are people who say, well, the Constitution, basically, they're saying it was just a document written a by suggestion. a bunch of men back yeah. then. And it really doesn't have total applicability today. And then the other side of that is they are, make the argument relative to gun control is, well, the Second Amendment, we're looking at it from the standpoint of protecting you from your fellow citizens. And they fail to recognize that the Second Amendment, like all the other amendments in the Constitution, apply to the government overreaching or overstretching their authority over the people. And they just kind of give that a blind eye. They don't pay much attention to it. It's very important that we make that because I'm concerned now because of the fact that the rule of law is is, is being set aside. I mean, it, it, if you don't believe that, pay attention to uh, daily events. Pay, pay regardless of what your political persuasion is, look at the essence of the argument in the impeachment proceedings. Look at the situation in these states where um, illegal immigrants are flowing across the border and the states can't control the people coming because of executive orders being implemented, which basically set states' rights to the side. And they're just over. And, and in, in addition, they're threatening criminal prosecution if they defy the orders. So and, and the, the orders are telling them, do not enforce the laws as written. Absolutely. And, and that's a serious problem. That is the precise responsibility of the executive branches to enforce the laws as written. And what they're saying is, no, we're not going to do that. And we're not going to let you either. Yeah. So there were there were some good decisions that came out of some not so good legislation in the past. And, I, and I'm hopeful. I'm very hopeful that somebody will get some semblance of sense and that'll play out now. Mark, there's a bit of a good information I think that you so. have, and I want you to pass it on to yeah, us. It's um, something I found uh, listed on the Buckeye Firearms Association website. And if you haven't been out there to BuckeyeFirearms.org, I highly recommend it. Um, this is something that the Ohio Attorney General, has, uh, General uh, Attorney General Dave Yost, has put together a database that is searchable that allows people to find out if a gun has been stolen. Now, it's not 100% accurate because the source database, the law 
law enforcement uh, database that they use to match it up isn't 100% accurate. It never could be. Um, but what it allows you to do is to is to put in a serial number for a firearm and check to see if that firearm has been reported stolen. So if you were wanting to purchase a firearm, and we've had a lot of questions about this from people who said, how do I find out if this gun that somebody wants to sell me was stolen? And there's not really been a way to do that for the average citizen. And so now there is a way for, uh, if you go to the Attorney General's website, and I would the easiest way to get there is to go to this article that's published on BuckeyeFirearms.org. It was published on Wednesday, February 10th. And if you, so you can go out and there's a link to the Attorney General's office. And that's probably the easiest way to find it is to go BuckeyeFirearms.org, get the article about the Attorney, uh, Ohio Attorney General Yost office developing a searchable stolen gun database, and then click on the link. It's at the early part of the article. And then all it asks you for is the serial number. You put in the serial number, it runs against the database, and it will tell you whether or not that database, whether that serial number shows up in the database. Now understand, serial numbers are not unique. So they're only unique within a particular manufacturer. It's very possible that if you put in a serial number, it'll come back to a gun that's not even the same ma manufacturer. So that, that doesn't tell you specifically that this particular gun, it's not, it doesn't identify the particular uh, the weapon. But it, it does at least give you an indication that if it has been reported stolen and it shows up in the database, at least you can know, yeah, maybe I'd want to stay away from this particular purchase. Mark, is there a couple questions? Do you know if there's any... Like, does it allow you to uh, print a copy that you ran it and that it came back negative? Do you know if that's I haven't, the case? Uh, I mean, I just I just opened it up on my okay. phone, so and, we haven't had a chance to do and that I yet. I think but. one of the other decisions that would have to be made, if you go to buy a gun from somebody and it comes back stolen, you're kind of in a trick bag. Yeah. What are you going to do? So I encourage you to think about that ahead of time. Right. Um, certainly, I would not take possession of the firearm, and then you got to make the decision how you're going to proceed from there. My advice would be to get as much information and pass it on to law enforcement and let them handle it. Yeah, and then and but it, but it's a source of information that the average citizen has never had before. Yes, police could look it up in the Leeds database, yeah. but now we have that option as well. So especially now, and we have a time where there are such a shortage of guns available for purchase at the retail, new manufacturer, and it, so people are looking to other sources. Maybe they're going to uh, a garage sale or something else to find. You know, how do I find out a gun? Do you really want to buy this gun or not? At least there's a quick way to take a look now. All right, let's take our last break for the hour. This is Mark Avery with Jeff Pedro for Shooting from the Hip on 1290 and 95.7 WHIO, Dayton's News It's our Talk. Ask the Expert weekend on the Miami Valley Radio Station with breaking news, weather, and traffic. 1290 and 95.7 WHIO, Dayton's News and Talk. It's our Ask the Expert weekend on the Miami Valley Radio Station with breaking news, weather, and traffic. 1290 and 95.7 WHIO, Dayton's News and Talk. Welcome back to the show. We only have a few minutes left, so I want to tell you about a few things that are going on here at Sim Trainer. Uh, we had a riot control or riot survival class scheduled for Wednesday night this past week. However, due to uh, medical reasons, we had to cancel that until the 24th. Now, last I checked, there were 13 uh, uh, people registered. We can have up to 18 in that class. So if you want to get in uh, the rescheduled riot survival class, it is online scheduled for Wednesday the 24th, and that'd be a good option uh, for you given 
given the events of the past year. It covers everything from how to avoid getting yourself in the middle of that situation. Especially. Yeah, especially. That's the primary emphasis to what are your options in the event that it um, unfortunate circumstances exist and you couldn't avoid it and you find yourself in the midst, in the midst of a, a bad situation. So uh, it's a great class uh, taught by Dave, who was a retired Dayton police officer, and he's done a great job because he was involved in the planning and imp implementation of riot control strategies and riot response strategies in the city over the years that he served in, in that city. And uh, I will uh, extend kudos to the Dayton Police Department because they have an excellent model in uh, how they control um, demonstrations that could evolve into riots and uh, the way their personnel, particularly their law enforcement and their city people, um, funnel people and handle people to minimize the chance of things getting out of control. So it's a great class and I encourage you to get involved. Um, we also have uh, added additional sessions of our concealed carry class and to our um, uh, basic handgun class. Go to our website at sim-trainer.com. Check the dates out. We recommend if you're new to the gun world and you're uh, wanting to get a gun for personal safety and self-defense, we recommend that you start with basic handgun before you go to concealed carry. And we have a great combo package. It's called our training pass, whereby you can get the, um, the basic handgun class, the concealed carry class, and a three-month membership to the range. And the use of all the firearms. And the use of the firearms. You'll get to try a variety of the most popular firearms on the market in the basic class, and then whatever one you land on or that you like the most, that's the one you get to use for free in the concealed carry class. Um, that package deal is $200. Uh, the deal itself is worth $285 if you add the quarterly membership to the range, which means right after you complete your basic class, you can start coming to the range for free for three months and use the range to practice. And then if you want to um, try guns some more, you know, we have a try it before you buy it program or range gun rental program. You can uh, rent whatever gun or guns that you liked from the class. You can try some other ones that maybe weren't included in that initial lineup that we have. And you pay $10 plus the price of a box of ammo, which I will warn you right now, the price of an ammo, uh, price of a box of ammo is $45 a box. I know it's hard for me to say, and I'm sure you had to cover your ears. And by but, the time uh, you get tax on there, it's almost, I mean, so yeah. you, for two boxes of ammo, yeah. if you don't bring a hundred bucks, you're going to yeah. be short. And um, I'm, I make no, uh, no bones about it that uh, we're making a dollar sixty-five on a box. Um, it's pretty amazing. When and that I started, barely covers shipping and yeah, handling exactly. and so forth. So you know, when I started uh, way back, well, let's just go back. Why don't you go back to 2004? But in in September of 2019, that same box of ammo might cost you between 12.95 and 15.95. But because of supply and demand issues that we've talked about over many shows, um, that's just where the price is at, and it's not going to get any better in the short. Term. And we're working to find more, but it is just out there expensive what little bits of it there are because every i mean it's a completely a demand issue uh lack of supply so that's where it is thanks very much for joining us today uh we wish we could uh, actually have you call in live well we hope to be doing that before too long uh, but uh, right now you have to contact us by our website go to sim-trainer.com click on the contact link and send us an email we'll get back to you or, or bring your question onto the air uh, this is Mark Avery and Jeff Pedro for Shooting from the Hip on 1290 and 95.7 WHIO, Dayton's News and Talk.